In the world of sports, there's a game changer on the horizon. It's not a new team or a new player. It's a movement. It's called Her Game 2. Her Game 2 is a not-for-profit organisation championing inclusivity and diversity in sports. We believe in a level playing field where everyone, regardless of gender, can enjoy, participate and excel in the sport they love. Join us in making sports a game for all. Visit www.hergame2.co.uk to learn more and get involved. Hergame 2, tackling sexism and championing women in sports because the love of the game knows no gender. It's a fantastic start by the USA. Lloyd with Morgan streaking, she's chipping the goalkeeper! Welcome to the Australian World Cup podcast. My name is Stuart Kavanagh and we are here to wrap up game week three. All the group stage games have been played. As we record, Korea and Germany are playing and Morocco and Colombia are playing just to uh, tidy up Group H, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Joining me, as per usual, he's my partner in crime on this World Cup podcast. It's Mr. Callum Logie. Callum, how you doing, pal? I'm doing well, thanks. Doing well. Catching up on, on all the games that have that have passed. Match Day 3 is always the most exciting and a lot of the games really didn't disappoint. Like, wow. Absolutely, mate. They really didn't. And also, he's becoming a bit of a regular on this podcast. He is our social media guru for the Women's World Cup. It is Mr. Jason Irvine. Jace, how you doing? Yeah, doing well, thank you. Match Day 3 has been a delight to watch. The kickoff times all happening at the same time has allowed me to, you know, what consume, I think, more football than I have in the recent weeks as well, just trying to stay across everything. But it's been good. Yeah, it really has been. It really ramps up the excitement with those concurrent kickoffs. Uh, let's get straight into it. Actually, what I might do is I'll just give people a bit of an update because the three of us intermittently will be giving updates on the games that are happening as we record. As it stands, Korea and Germany sits at one all and Morocco is defeating Colombia 1-0. They're both about 70 minutes into the game. And as it stands, Germany will be uh, heading out of the tournament. Hopefully we can talk about some completed results from that group before this podcast is over. But let's start where we always start, boys, with the Matildas. Callum. Give us your thoughts from that incredible fixture against Canada. Well, you've summarised quite well in terms of incredible because that's what it was and that's how it felt. 4-0. It was absolutely fantastic. Grace for Haley Rasso, who um, got player of the match for a performance, obviously very well deserved. And I just think in terms of controlling the game, even though the possession wasn't maybe as strong as you'd have wanted, Canada never really got into any aggressive attacking positions. By the time we'd gotten into the second half and got our third goal, it was um, just, just a situation where there was no real way back into it. They got frustrated. We obviously saw a bit of coverage of that uh, rather animated outburst <laughs> by uh, the, the Canadian fullback. Um, I believe it was at Tony Gustafsson in that particular instance. But uh, anyways, 
Um, I'll leave it up to the listeners as to whether they look up what that was or not. But at the end of the day, 4-0, incredible way, great momentum heading into the knockout stages. Absolutely. It was uh, incredible. And if you're one of the lucky few that got to see Callum and I's live reaction immediately after the match before it got DMCA'd, you've probably heard all this before, but uh, I was quite down on the Matildas. I did not think that they played to their full potential in the first two fixtures. I fully expected us to go out and for them to sort of shut me up and prove me wrong. Honestly, I hate being wrong, but there was nothing better than that on that particular night, particularly uh, on the right-hand side. Jason, one of your favourites, Ellie Carpenter and uh, Hayley Russo combined really well. Hayley Russo particularly, not only with the goals, but also going backwards. She was uh, she was a beast all over the pitch for the whole 75 minutes she played for. So it was fantastic. I fully concur with everything that Callum has just said. But Jason, you're the one person on this podcast who hasn't given his reaction to that fixture. So why don't you take it away, pal? Yeah, no worries. I know that, you know, you and I, SJ, were on that Match Day 2 podcast and, you know, we were thinking about this fixture and I don't really think that we really believed that we could have won, but obviously Australia proved us wrong. I think that they had everything to play for. Um, they needed the result. I mean, Canada needed the result too, but it was a huge result. Um, I don't know if so many people expected it. And for such a scoreline as well, um, I think that it really showed that the Aussies could step up when it needed, when we needed to. Really important that we we're able to do that against a side like Canada. And I think that we're going to find ourselves playing, like obviously um, we're into the round of 16 now and um, we'll get into that a bit later as well. But I think that we'll find ourselves playing against opponents that are sort of like match the same as Canada. And so I think that a win in this fixture and by so much as well, it proved that we could beat, you know, or play well against those teams that are perhaps higher than us on the rankings. And, um, you know, we're going to be meeting those teams in the knockout stages. Hopefully we go far. But I think that this fixture really proved just how much we, the players, the coaching staff really wanted it because, you know, we just played around Canada, you know, too easily for a team that is the defending champions, you know, Olympic gold medalists. I think that, you know, they didn't really have an answer to Australia. And I think that starting off well, um, obviously with Hayley Razzo inside six minutes, really set the tone for what the game could be. And I don't think Canada were ever really able to catch up to that. Such was Australia's dominance from the start. So I think it was a really good result for us and obviously one that we really needed. Um, and hopefully we can take that into the round of 16 now. Absolutely. I think the key word that you said there was belief. Not only has it given the fans belief, not only has it given media belief, not only has it given guys who like to podcast a bit of belief, but I feel like it would have given the players some belief as well. Like you said, Canada, the reigning Olympic gold medalist, they've got quite a high FIFA world ranking. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. They were definitely up there. We're up there too, but, uh, you know, after a couple of shaky performances, particularly against Nigeria, and it's on the record that I wasn't impressed with how we played against Ireland, you know, uh, the, the the belief is going to be huge heading into the round of 16. Now, I'm not, I haven't really thought out how we're going to do this, but I know in the round of 16, Australia is going to meet Denmark. Do I even have to ask you boys how you think that game's going to finish up? Yes, you have to ask. Um, because I mean, we're still putting out answers, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, it is an audio medium, and for that smart-ass answer, Jason, I'm going to go to Callum first. Callum, who do you think is going to win when Australia plays Denmark? Well, I said it in our reaction video, which is now archived footage. Um, we thought most likely Denmark would be the opponents, and it's panned out that way. And I think the way Denmark's set up, it's, a, it's something that I think Australia can match up well against. I think particularly if the wings are as effective 
as they were last game, you know, like you mentioned with Rasso and Carpenter and uh, Caitlin Ford was excellent down the left-hand side as well. If we can get some more of that, Courtney Vine has shown flashes. If she can really get into gear against uh, Denmark, then that could be really, really good just in terms of the overwhelming impact. Because I think the big strength of the Matildas, particularly in open play, is their pace. Mm-hmm. Able to break away so phenomenally. And with athletic forwards like Fowler, fingers crossed, Kerr is fit in plays and she's as athletic a forward as you can get. Mm-hmm. It's it's plays really well when you're able to play into space, play down the wings. Hopefully we'll be able to to do that against Denmark. Absolutely, mate. And uh, Jason, what have you got, pal? I reckon we've got a good chance against Denmark. I am I am liking our chances against Denmark. I don't think that I've been totally impressed with Denmark too much this tournament. And I think that if you look at, I think that they're a good team on, on field, but I think it's their goal scoring that might let them down and where Australia might take that advantage um, through like what Callum said about their, their pace and their run and their control of the ball. Denmark have scored a lot of their goals late in this tournament. And so I think that if Australia, and they've proved that they can, I think that if Australia can get on the front foot early, maybe score an early goal or two, I think that that will really put us in good stead to beating Denmark and progressing to the next stage. Yeah, I I don't have any uh, intelligent analysis like you two boys. I'm just going off vibes and the vibes are telling me that Australia is going to win the round of 16 clash. They'll probably win quarterfinal clash. And uh, once you get to the semifinal, final stage, it's just the best team on the night. And I've uh, I've done a full 180. Callum, Jace, I've done a full 180. I was down on the Matildas last time we recorded a podcast. And uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high. I'm pretty high on us. I think that home crowd advantage is going to maybe give us the extra extra nudge that we need when when maybe we need, need a few more minutes out of the legs. And that could give us, you know, anything's possible. I don't want to say we're going to go and win the whole thing. Thing, but uh, maybe we'll go and win the whole thing. Just a follow-up question, right? I think, uh, Callum, you mentioned Sam Kerr. Are we at a point where we're thinking, do, do, do we actually need Sam Kerr in this round of 16 game? Do you think we need her to beat Denmark? I think if we play to our potential, we've seen our potential is very high. Mm-hmm. Then no, she's not required, but it's the knockout stage of a major tournament. If she's 85% ready, we probably need her on there, right? Because just what she symbolizes for the Australia team more than anything else. Like we've had great performances from Fowler, like we've mentioned before. Rasso has finally come good after having a couple of sort of patchy-ish performances, I suppose, in match day one and match day two. With those players hitting their stride, the midfield pair looking the best that they've looked. I think having Kerr as that extra complementary piece would give them so much confidence and could lead to that to that surge of form and that that kind of charge all the way through to Maybe the final, maybe beyond. Absolutely, uh, Jason. What a power move would it to be? Would it be for Australia to select Sam Kerr and the squad? I'm going off hypotheticals here. Select Sam Kerr and the squad, knowing she's not fit to play, and then going on and winning the whole thing without her. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be a dream. I think that you know, to be, I think that, like Callum said, like we've proved that we can win and get the results that we need without her. I don't know if we can get all the way to the final without her, but I think that you know, she's just such an important part of. The team i probably see her i mean she's had you know a few weeks by the time that this game comes around she would have had a couple of weeks without some time on the pitch and probably some light duties on the uh, training field going into this match and i probably think that if she is is 85 i think that she'll start um against denmark i think that you want 
your best players and Sam Curry is obviously one of Australia's best. You want them starting in these must-win games. The game against Canada was a must-win game as well, but I think that this one is the real thing now. Yeah, I think that I sort of like liken it to, um, you know, Marta starting for Brazil um, just the other night. You know, like Brazil needed to win that game. They put their best striker on the field in the starting lineup and I think that if Australia want to win um, especially a knockout stage game then they need to sort of have that same mentality that you know you want your best star striker on the field starting and hopefully get that fast start yeah absolutely I think you guys have surmised it perfectly I I don't think that we can win it without Sam Kerr I think Callum made some some good points about having her as sort of that luxury player I mean the last thing you want to see is an opposition team in a game that maybe goes to extra time is Sam Kerr coming off the bench in the hundredth minute uh, as we're searching for an equalizer and uh, I think you made some pretty valid points too Jace about uh, you know needing your star players when the pressure is on and you know we thought there was pressure for that Canada game pressure's just going to ramp up we win against Denmark the pressure is going to amplify that much more again and you need these players who have been to big clubs won big trophies won big tournaments and played in these pressure moments to really perform for us uh, when that pressure is really on uh, one more thing I want to touch on with the Matildas. I think perhaps the only two players who have sort of covered themselves in glory in every group stage match, yes, I'm including the loss to Nigeria in this, is the midfield duo of Kyra Cooney-Cross and Katrina Gori. Either of you guys want to wax lyrical about those two? I've um, been quite complimentary of Cooney-Cross throughout this tournament. Um, I think she's terrific, really talented young midfielder, works really hard. There were some question marks over her defensive commitment I think she has turned those question marks into exclamation marks, particularly against Canada. She was all over the pitch, filling in where she could. We spoke about how her and Gauri have a really good chemistry and they're able to interchange in between each other's positions. And I think that's wonderful with a midfield pair. The reason the 4-4-2 worked so well against Canada and the reason the 4-4-2 can work so well is because of those two midfield players. In Probably each of these games, one or the other has been the best player. In the third game, they both played really, really well, and it showed how strong they can be in midfield. And even before the tournament started, our uh, resident expert, Kieran Yap, said that if Cooney, Cross, and Gori can boss the England midfield, and the England midfield are looking very good right now, then how far could they go? Yeah, absolutely. Congrats on the uh, new baby too, Kieran, if you happen to be listening. Fantastic news. Uh, anyway, getting back to Cooney Cross and Gori, I think Gori started like a house on fire. She probably had a bit of a blip against Nigeria. And uh, like you said, she she really came to the fore along with Cooney Cross in the game against Canada. But I feel like Cooney Cross, is uh, she's a sneaky one to uh, maybe move into that breakout star bracket because she has really just eased her way into the tournament. And, you know, if her form was a graph, the bar would be going up. And uh, as long as it keeps going in that direction, I think... The sky's the limit. You got anything to add on these two midfield superstars before we move on, Jason? Uh, just that, yeah, I agree with both of you. I think that, um, you know, like Callum said, I think that each of them had a good game, the Ireland game and the Nigeria game. And I think that they both sort of came together um, to have great games against Canada. They were very attacking. Um, they 
regularly. Got into the box. Um, obviously, Katrina Gorey was the one that was fouled. Um, at the end, that set up that Seth Catley penalty. You know, even Kira um, Cooney Cross, um, you know, she wasn't afraid to sort of fire off a, a long range shot either. But I think that, you know, all that work happened in the middle um, and all of that work helped out the forwards. Um, and so, yeah, I think that when they've got that sort of like chemistry and that symmetry that is working so well through the mid- midfield, I think that that's where, you know, Australia and um, those two can be quite dangerous in terms of, you know, really pouncing on any loose balls or turnovers. Um, you know, that all that all starts in the midfield. And I think that that all starts as well with Katrina Gorey and Kira Cooney Cross. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we've definitely made our points on the Matildas there. We might leave the Matildas there. Otherwise, we'll end up talking about them all night. Just a quick update on the Korea-Germany game. It still sits at 1-1. And uh, Jace, if you could tell me what the score is in the other fixture, we can let you know how that group stands right now. Yeah, well, that uh, fixture is still Morocco leading Colombia 1-0 in the 82nd minute. So as it stands in the 82nd minute, uh, in Morocco, Colombia, in the 85th minute in Korea, Germany. Uh, Germany is going home, which is going to be one hell of a story. Hopefully, we're here to break it for you on the Australian World Cup podcast. But let's get back to uh, the Group B Round 3 matches. Nigeria and Ireland uh, played a nil-nil draw. Um, I think Nigeria knew that they just needed to draw to qualify for the knockout phase, and they did that with the plum. You know, they, they've they been really impressive at this tournament. You know, it's, it, it's great to see them through, but it's a bit of a Shocked to see Canada drop out, isn't it? Yeah, I think that um, we might touch on it a couple of times in this episode, and you know, probably if uh, Germany do um, not go through as we bring that to you live, obviously, I think that you know, like there has been a few shocking results um, of teams that won't be qualifying for the knockout stages, and Canada is one of those. Like Canada, I think were one of those teams where people expected them to be the top two, possibly even top the group, go deep, uh, one of the favourites, and so. I think that, yeah, it's obviously very disappointing for Canada. Um, I think that they'd be disappointed with themselves. But even from that first game where they drew uh, with Nigeria, possibly you could even see danger signs there. I know that like that's only the first game and you still get a point from it. So it's not as bad as losing the first game. But, um, you know, even from that, there could have been signs that, you know, maybe they were going to like let, the, let, let this uh, group slip from them. And it obviously all happened for them um, in that Australia game. So... I think that, yeah, I think that we'll see a lot of, uh, you know, talk about a lot of that um, as we get into match day three. But Canada is definitely one of those teams that I'm sure that everyone will be quite surprised that they're out. Absolutely. And a sad way for the GOAT, Christine Sinclair, to uh, finish her World Cup career, unless she decides to go again in 2027 when she will be the ripe old age of 44. But let's move on to Group A. I know we're going a bit ass about here, but uh, Callum, I'm going to get you to talk about the Switzerland-New Zealand game. It might have had the least amount of goals but it certainly had the most impact for our uh, friends Bella Cartman comes to mind across the Tasman there what happened why didn't New Zealand make it out of the group stage uh because they didn't get enough points (laughs) (laughs) very good moving on (laughs) (laughs) um no look I thought Switzerland was always probably going to be their most difficult uh, fixture I guess on paper you would have said Norway but Norway you know kind of scratched their way through at the end didn't they I think they were hoping that the Philippines would put on a strong enough performance to get a draw and that New Zealand would maybe get through on goal difference I'm not entirely sure but it did not pan out that way at all it wasn't for their performance against Switzerland I think they did quite well and I think getting a draw in that result was probably a fair result and they did very very well to get a draw 
in that game. But just because of what happened in the opposite fixture, the urgency was there, but they weren't able to deliver. And, you know, that's okay. It happens sometimes in these tournaments. Switzerland went undefeated in the group stage. And if you're going out against an undefeated team, then sometimes it's just the way it goes. Yeah, it's very true. I did watch the last 10 minutes of the New Zealand-Switzerland game and New Zealand were banging on the door, but they just could not find the right key to unlock it. And unfortunately, they go out of the tournament. But fortunately, uh, Norway, my second team with the love of my life, Ingrid Engen, playing for them, had a huge victory over the Philippines, 6-0, and we will be seeing more of Norway in the knockout phase. Jace, take it away, mate. Well, first of all, good Good for you, Stewie. I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, Norway, they probably needed um, a big result as well, just because Norway and New Zealand finished both on four points. But um, obviously, only one of those teams went through. And I think that, I think that was Norway, right? Like, they hadn't scored a goal. Um, up until this game and then in the one game they score six (laughs) it's incredible and you know there was um an own goal there um there was a penalty but even so like sophie roman hug she got a hat-trick so that was great for her caroline graham hansen um got on the score sheet which i think was really important for her and norway and so i think that you know these contributions from norway were probably what they needed to um you know help them get out of the group stage um you know like obviously it was great that it was a big result but i think that it would have just been really helpful for that team and its players to be able to like knock in a few goals get a win in the group stage in what turned out to be a pretty close group stage i mean switzerland finished first with five points philippines last with three and so i think that um yeah norway really needed this big win um they needed a couple of goals and all their players played really well to help them get there and luckily uh but luckily they're uh, through the round of 16. absolutely mate so from group a unfortunately co-host new zealand did not make it through they finished on four points like jason said the philippines they did pick up their first women's world cup win but uh unfortunately they didn't make it either but very fortunately, or not fortunately, I guess you make your own luck. Norway and Switzerland are both through to the knockout phase, and we'll have a look at the how they may or may not go in the round of 16 at the end of this podcast. But let's move on to Group C. Now, Callum, I'm going to give you the Japan-Spain game here because I read a fantastic article over at edgeofthecrowd.com. If you find one of Callum's articles, click on his name and look for his article. I think it's called An Aussie in Japan. Is that right? Yep, that is. That is what it's called. Yep. Yeah, check it out. It's a fantastic article it's got some great pictures and uh it's one that i i really enjoyed reading but uh let's get back to the football mate japan took on spain now was this a shock result japan defeating spain 4-0 yeah i don't think there's any way to kind of you know mince your words about it spain are a very very good team and they got dismantled mm-hmm. it was it was incredible my new favorite player hanata miyazawa with another brace and she was sensational creatively as well japan are another one of those teams who have extremely impressive pace like you look at the matildas and you you could maybe look at them going 100 miles an hour you look at japan they're going at 120 it's incredible the way they're able to take their chances it's it's extremely clinical it's really really good so you know miyazawa is a winger and she's the top scorer in the tournament right and ueki has been has been 
supporting really well. Um, she got a goal in this game. And uh, they also have the top assist getter, Tanaka, who I think also managed to get on the score sheet. So it's just, it was truly incredible performance from them. They're definitely the heavy momentum team going into the uh, into the knockout stages. But they go up against Norway, who are also a very heavy momentum team considering their results. So perhaps could play a spoiler to a team that's emerging as maybe a Dark Horse favorite. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, oh, you weren't alone there, Cal. I was shocked when I saw this score. I was watching the scores live. I think this was a 4.30 kickoff in Australia, so I was probably still at the office. And uh, I was just seeing the goals go in. And honestly, I thought it was a typo. I thought they were putting the goals uh, against the wrong team. But uh, on further inspection, Japan won. They won thoroughly. They won well. They do top the group. Jason, we had a uh, one of many uh, debut nations picking up their first points. Nay, their first win yes. at a Women's World Cup against Costa Rica. Zambia uh, winning 3-1 in that one. Talk us through it, mate. Yeah, well, first points and first win. We might sound like a broken record again here, Stewie. Um, <laughs> you listen to our Match Day 2 uh, recap would uh, remember. But uh, yeah, I think it was really great of Zambia. Um, they played a really attacking style against Costa Rica. And I think that after 5-0 drubbings in both of their two games previous to this, that it was great for them to be on the end of a win. And what better than your first ever World Cup win as well? Started right from the outset, like I said, that attacking style, third minute they scored. Leading 2-0 uh, into halftime, even when Costa Rica got a goal back two minutes into the restart, Zambia didn't look troubled at all. Uh, ran out 3-1 winners. And yeah, like I said, like it was that attacking style. And I think that, you know, like I don't think anything can be helped by playing Spain and Japan. They're always going to be the two mighty teams, especially from this particular group. Uh, I think that, yeah, Zambia, they really showcased what they can do on the world stage. And hopefully this is not the uh, first and only World Cup for them. Absolutely, mate. It was fantastic. The Copper Queens, they might not go into the knockout phase, but they do go home with their first Women's World Cup wins. Japan topped the group. Spain finished second, both qualifying for the round of 16. Zambia finished third with that win over Costa Rica and Costa Rica finished bottom of Group C. Moving on to Group D, Haiti and Denmark took each other on. Jason, I'm going to hand over to you for this one. Comfortable win for Denmark? Yeah, it was. Um, it was a bit of a scrappy affair, but Denmark just got just got there, you know, scoring either side of the halftime whistle. I feel like it was a closely fought contest, though. Um, Denmark were just, you know, more dominant than Haiti, but I think that I've been on the record as well that I've been really impressed with Haiti this tournament. Um, they may have ended the tournament without a win and three losses, but I think that they've been a really good side to watch. Denmark were just that cut above. Yeah, I think that when Denmark can play well, um, and we obviously talked about them at the top of the episode as the team that the Matildas will be playing in the round of 16, I think that they can be good. Um, you know, yeah. So I think this game was just a case of a more dominant team and a team that was maybe just, you know, hanging on. And if what came to them came to them, but I think there was Denmark being the more dominant team that got them over the edge um, with a 2 0 scoreline. Yeah, absolutely. It is all about points, but in, when you don't qualify for the knockout phase, it's not all, that, all about points, particularly when you're a debutant and their performances, I mean, they can go home with their heads held high. They had some tough fixtures against England and China um, as well as Denmark. This was almost a group of death, I suppose, and they were really unlucky to draw those three heavy hitters. Mahadi go home, Denmark win, Denmark go through in second place. Cow. 
China took on England uh, in my old stomping ground of Adelaide. Fantastic stadium, Cooper's Stadium, Highmarsh Stadium, they're calling it for this tournament. And uh, there, was some cl- there was some concerns in England that perhaps the English weren't hitting their straps with a couple of scrappy 1-0 wins. Jeez, they shut the doubters up with a uh, whooping of a strong China side 6-1, didn't they? Yeah, speaking of tough results against England, I don't think anyone suffered any tougher a result than the China's 6-1. You know, they were, <laughs> they were going for for getting into knockout stages and there was murmurings certainly around our circles that when this fixture came about, China could well get the win. China scored. That was nice for them. Um, <laughs> that was about the only thing that was nice for them. They had 26% possession, which just sounds like misery as someone who's played on some weak football teams before. I can tell you it is misery. And you'd say a result where the opposite team completes double the amount of passes you complete. It's probably going to have been a rough game for you, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, in this instance, England almost tripled the amount of completed passes of China. It was incredible. And... You know, everyone they wanted to get on the score sheet got on the score sheet. Alessio Russo scored. Lauren James scored. It was it was just a thorough performance for England and the beat. As far as the heavy hitters go, they probably did have the most impressive result. Although we've got one coming up that was pretty impressive too. But I just want to touch on before we move on from Group D, we talked about Mary Fowler maybe moving into that breakout star echelon. I think the 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 breakout star so far from this tournament is uh, Lauren James, of course, Reese James' sister. I think pretty. Soon, Reese James is going to be known as Lauren James' brother because she got two goals, three assists, and she's just all action. Every time she gets near the ball, she's so exciting. Uh, I've just loved every minute of her that I've watched play. I think it was like her manner of like goal scoring as well. And in that first game, it was an outside of the box strike. In this game, there was one of them that was outside of the box, another one which was a volley. Um, she could have had three goals in this particular game as well. Again, another one shot from outside of the box. I think that, you know, if she hadn't hasn't already like she's announced herself on the world stage now i think that to be performing this well at your first um, world cup getting the start repaying the faith in your coach and you know performing the way that she is yeah she's she's a star already to me absolutely mate and no way no way better to repay the faith to your coach than getting two goals and laying on three assists just a tremendous performance but group d england topped that group uh undefeated three wins two one nil wins and the big six one over china denmark come second China Republic come third and Haiti brought up the foot of the group let's move on to group E uh, Callum back to you power Netherlands absolutely smashed Vietnam 7-0 and sort of uh, sent out a warning shot to the rest of the competition that they aren't playing around they're here to win this thing yeah they're reminding us that they were runners up last year and they look better mm, it's, it's been very very good performance from them that Esme Brutes she is something else two very impressive goals very talented player and she's just going to get better as well Netherlands had 42 shots in this game <laughs> you were talking about passes in the last game I feel mm. like it's pretty miserable if you're getting 42 shots rained down on you as well definitely so definitely so and honestly the conversion rate uh, 17 shots on target 7 goals Vietnam did alright in the end <laughs> actually I was having a conversation at work I might have been with Jason actually and uh, he told me that stat and I was like wow the Vietnam goalkeeper actually had a fantastic game which is not something you say a lot when your team's just lost 7-0 yeah yeah look Vietnam probably
probably drew the toughest group. They probably saw USA and went, okay, this would be tough. And then they saw the Netherlands as well. And they're like, why are they in the same group? Why are we playing them? Nah. <laughs> they got probably the worst draw they could have imagined. They got a shot on target, which was really good. Mm -hmm. Good, good performance from the goalkeeper, as you mentioned, despite it being 7-0. And I think, you know, there's bits and pieces that they can take as, as a lesson from this tournament and, you know, to move on, move forward. I think there was definitely one or two players that looked like they had the potential to be playing in some of those European leagues or even in the USA. And if they get picked up and if they get the chance to play at that higher level with those those kind of elite training facilities that we see in those types of leagues, then mm -hmm. Vietnam could, could end up being a force to reckon with heading forward. Absolutely. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if we seen them playing in the A-leagues as well, a few of those players from the Vietnam national team. Just going to interrupt this group recap real quickly. We are currently in the 12th minute of time added on in Korea versus Germany. And Jason's going to give us a score on Morocco, Colombia uh, in a second. But as it stands, it is 1-1 in this game. And I think, Jace, does that mean that Germany's going home if they don't score? It does. Uh, we're into the ninth minute of stoppage time and there's been uh, nine minutes of stoppage time announced um, and so I believe the final whistle is imminent in this game and Morocco are currently still up 1-0 so as it stands now and as it stands in that game it seems like Morocco is going through Germany is going out there's a few nerves on the Moroccan bench they're all looking around trying to work out how long is left uh, <laughs> might be a bit of time wasting as well counting down the clock but uh, yeah wouldn't that be amazing and I'm sure that I will announce that when the whistle comes absolutely Absolutely. Same here. Let's let's just fly through Portugal versus USA as, as quickly as we possibly can because the USA become come within a cat's whisker of being eliminated from this tournament in their nil-nil draw with tournament debutants Portugal. Jace, tell us about that one. Yeah, well, um, I will just say Morocco just a player from Morocco just got a yellow card for time wasting. So <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, let's uh, talk about the uh, Portugal USA game. I think that I sum I think I sum it up on behalf of everyone in the USA that it was just relief uh when that final whistle blew. A draw was enough for them. You know, I think that you know they wouldn't have wanted a scoreless draw at all. I feel like this tournament for the USA, like goals have been hard to come by, or you know, like their chances on goal have been hard to come by. I don't think they've been as attacking as they probably should. And there the final whistle goes in the Morocco Colombia. Morocco through with a one-nil win. So I don't know what's happening in your game whether Germany is getting a late goal but there is jubilation on the field for Morocco they're through through the round of 16 as it currently stands right now uh okay just uh, sorry to uh interrupt your recap of Portugal USA but we are currently in the 15th minute of nine minutes of time added on there has been some wild time wasting from Korea Republic <laughs> here the ball is currently in the midfield Germany are desperate I'll, I'll tell you what Germany uh they're they're, they're in some danger of maybe conceding if Korea can get the ball up forward because they have everyone in that front third. Just just go back to Portugal, USA, but uh, be warned, I may interrupt you if something amazing happens. That's okay. These are live scenes that we're seeing. I said that there was jubilation on the field, but their coaching staff have just like calmed the players down. They're like, the result's not over yet. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> um, Their coach, um, Reynald Pedros, is still sitting on the bench tense as anything <laughs> so 
<laughs> well, we're, is, moving, we're moving into the 16th minute of time added on right this, now. This, this is what you want, um, yeah. I think, in a match day three, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Imagine imagine being a Korea Republic or Germany <laughs> fan right now. Germany have just lumped the ball into the box. Korea have uh, cleared it out. Not very far, though. Um, let's all turn this into a commentary <laughs> because that does not work well on this audio medium. Um, Chase, continue yeah. with your Portugal versus USA. Yeah, no worries, I will. I don't even know where I'm up to now. <laughs> I think that um, relief, yeah, I think relief. That, I think that Portugal really came to play, um, especially in that final ten minutes. I think that they really wanted the result. They had a few half chances, um, and they rattled USA a bit. Sort of unconvincing defense from the USA. Close chance came two minutes into second half stoppage time when uh, Anna Cabada beat Alyssa Naylor only for the ball to smash into the bottom right of the goalpost. And I think that that sums up, or like you know, the USA's mood is summed up there by just a single tweet from the account saying, bless that post. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they, the USA have uh, have definitely shown a little bit of a wobble here. I think it's finished. I think Germany are gone. Yeah, I've, I've just seen scenes of uh, the whole Moroccan team huddled around, I think, a phone. Uh, watching <laughs> the, the final whistle and Germany uh, are gone. There you go. The final whistle's just gone. I don't know if you're watching the same scenes I am, but incredible stuff. Apologies to any United States or Portugal fans here, but this is incredible stuff. World number two Germany is out at the group stage. That loss against Colombia has really hurt them. The uh, fact that they couldn't find a goal against Korea Republic here and Morocco with two fantastic wins. We've got a split screen going on here and the scene. <laughs> are just incredible for the Moroccan side. Uh, Germany, disappointed and uh, th- we'll get into it. There's other shocks that have come, but this probably ranks, what do you boys think? Do you think this ranks as the biggest shock elimination at the group stage? I believe, I think so, yeah. I think that um, I think that I've, you know, I think in the last couple of podcasts I've said that Germany are going to win it. Um, they've had some great results, started off the tournament really well, but I think that, yeah, this is the biggest shock. And you talked about rankings there, rank number two out of the tournament. I think that, you know, the big story of this group um, and possibly the whole tournament now is that Morocco in their first ever Women's World Cup, the highest ranked team at this World Cup as well, rank 72. They're through to the round of 16. That's incredible. You've got a brother in arm there, um, someone who knows about picking Germany to uh, win the World (laughs) Cup. (laughs) Callum, uh, what are your thoughts? I I imagine that it's deja vu for you, mate. Sort of, except I didn't pick Germany to win this time, so that's good. (laughs) Where does it rank for you in terms of uh, shock eliminations? Does it get any bigger than this? I don't think so. I think the world number two being eliminated and the world number 72 going through. I think that if it was was South Korea that went through rather than mm-hmm. Germany. If you if you told me that at the beginning of the tournament, I could have maybe believed you. I would mm-hmm. have never have believed that the teams going through would be Colombia and Morocco. Absolutely. Well, I guess we've done Group H live here. Um, <laughs> Colombia and Morocco have gone through. Germany will finish third. Uh, South Korea will finish fourth. Incredible stuff. Um, We've we really messed up our Portugal-USA recap here. Jase, I think you were saying something about relief and bless that post. Can you pick yeah, up from there? That's right. Yeah, I think that um, that's exactly right. I think that in the end, you know, the USA did enough to keep the dream of the three-peat alive. Gutsy game. But I don't want to say that that's all the USA wanted. I think that, you know, they've been, to me, unconvinced 
referencing this whole tournament. I think that they would have expected better of themselves. Fans watching on would probably expect a bit better as well. So I'm interested to see how they go in the knockout stages, coming up against some of the, you know, the you know the teams that are sort of like you know the same sort of upper echelon of what we expect from a uh, football team um, like the USA. And I think that yeah, I think that it was just relief. I think that they held on, but there was a touch of nerves. And so I'm interested to see how this result with all its nerves, I guess, like impacts uh, the USA going forward. And I know that we'll get into previewing the round of 16 a bit more uh, later, probably. But, you know, it's coming up against a Sweden in the first fixture in the round of 16. I think that, um, yeah, even that would be a touch unnerving for the USA, I think. Absolutely. I was on insert name FC this week, um, straight after the United States game, um, American based podcast, obviously part of the Belly Up Sports Network. And uh, I was talking to Hector over there and he is very, very conflicted about the United States finishing second and looking to face Sweden in the round of 16. So uh, that is, uh, it's it's very interesting. Okay, Group F. Okay, talking about massive names being eliminated from the tournament. And because you and I sort of hogged the reaction of Germany getting knocked out, I'm going to throw to Callum for this one. Callum, Jamaica nil, Brazil nil. Has there ever been a more impactful nil-nil draw in World Cup history, men's or women's? Yeah, no, not that I can think of. Huge, huge for Jamaica. And they've deserved it. They've played really well in this group stage. Gone undefeated, two draws and a victory. And one of those draws being able to hold off one of the most offensively proficient teams in Brazil with, as Jason alluded to earlier in this podcast, one of the greatest forwards ever starting for them. It's really quite quite unbelievable. I think so many narratives from this group stage of this tournament, and there'll be many more in the knockout stages, have been so incredible that you couldn't make it up. You couldn't make up Jamaica going undefeated in the group stage and making it through to the knockout stages. But credit to them. They were fantastic. Brazil weren't able to get the result against France, and ultimately that cost them in the end. Um, Jamaica were resilient enough to hold off. With a goal difference of one, they go through. They have snuck through. Brazil are out of the World Cup. Um, geez, just a, just a quick one-word answer from both you guys. How crazy on a scale of 1 to 10 would you have called me if I told you that both Brazil and Germany would not be playing knockout football at this World Cup? Go on, Cal. Ten. That is the correct answer. Jason? <laughs> Did I say more than one word? <laughs> I think it's safe to say 10, and I would be fucking crazy to say it. But here we are. We're living in a crazy world with no Germany and no Brazil after that nil-nil draw against Jamaica. It is sad that uh, Marta's career ends in the group stage at the World Cup, but she gave a very emotional interview. I urge everyone to go and check that out on YouTube or, or whatever the streaming service is that provides it in your country. Um, just check that out. It was uh, it was impassioned stuff. And uh, although I'm sure she was sad that she was going home, I think the legacy that she's left and players from her ge- uh, players from her generation have left really what they've managed to do for the women's game is uh, going to echo throughout time. And on that poetic note, we'll move on to probably the biggest goal fest that we've seen and one of the most incredible free kicks at the tournament so far. Unfortunately, it was a losing effort, Jace. Panama 3, France 6. Talk us through this one. Yeah, absolute goal fest. Um, nine goals in total, largest cumulative total of this year's Women's World Cup in, in, in the group stages and so obviously so far. I think that, yeah, it looked to be a shock result from the outset 
inside the two minutes, Marta Cox. Speaking of Marta and speaking of goals, um, you know, she built a free kick from, you and I were debating it this morning, Julie, about just how far out it was. You told mm-hmm. me it was 30. That's, you know, what we're going with. But yeah, 30 yards out into the top left corner, Panama's first goal at a World Cup as well. Um, so it was a remarkable effort in that right, but obviously as an individual goal as well. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be for Panama. France showed their dominance and showed, you know, how good they are on the world stage and in these, you know, in these types of games, they scored the next five goals and really took the game away, even when Panama got the result back to a 5-3 scoreline to France. Um, yeah, France were just, you know, had that edge from those five consecutive goals. And I think that, you know, they, yeah, they just really showed how well they can like sort of, you know, respond France, um, you know, to record the win, keep a perfect record through the group stage. They showed that they're one of those teams that are pretty much spoken about in the top um, echelon of women's football teams they deserve that uh, high ranking i think that people know them for you know they don't don't ever drop from the top and uh, i think that that was really showing in this particular game when even they were down absolutely 6-3 incredible result france go through top of the group jamaica finished second brazil incredibly finished third and miss out on knockout football at the women's world cup panama finished bottom in their uh, debut at the uh, at the top of the game but uh, they'll be back and uh, if they can score some more free kicks like that they'll probably be entertaining as well let's move on to group g callum has very patiently sat over there um waiting for us to talk about this one mate so i'm not going to make you wait any longer i'm not even going to say the scores i'm going to let you talk about it south africa italy yeah you um you can't see me right now but i'm pumping my fists in excitement (laughs) um oh what a game like it was probably my game of the tournament for the world cup i'm not just because of my own investment but i thought just in terms of the entertainment the drama both teams going as hard as they could to qualify i think it was fantastic so it was three two south africa won three So they're going through to the knockout stages, and that's fantastic. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm very smiley about it. (laughs) What an incredible sentence to say. South Africa are going through to the knockout stage of the Women's World Cup. Just, just, uh, just, just unbelievable. Considering the group that they found themselves in, I mean, Argentina aren't as proficient uh, in the women's game as they are in the men's game, but Italy were quarter finalists in 2019, and Sweden are number three in the world. And uh, South Africa, first time around, too easy for them. They make it straight through to the knockout phase. Yeah, well, I said it before the tournament, they're carrying with them the momentum of winning the African Championship. So, you know, there's a lot to be said for for that. They obviously have that belief in their team. And they played with that belief. Even against Sweden, they looked the closest to taking points off of Sweden. They looked really, really good. I think they definitely deserved this position. I think they were the second best team in the group. And as such, they went through in the second in the second spot, and it was it was really great. Um, I was very excited. I first thing um I did when I got into work this morning was um I have a South African colleague, and I said, "Did you see what happened?" And she said, "Yep." <laughs> we, we were very happy about it. Absolutely, it's uh it's a fantastic thing. And Jace, just a just a real quick one on Sweden Argentina, mate. Yeah, uh, two 0 result to Sweden. Um, Sweden go through with a perfect three and record as well. Um, they didn't quite play at their best, but all they needed was, uh, you know, just a result to uh, top the group. And, you know, the I think Argentina really, you know, took it to them, didn't make it easy for Sweden. But um, I think that Sweden, um, as they are, they're a very strong team and their class thrown uh, shown through. And, yeah, I think that uh, when they scored that opening goal, they were just able to breathe a bit, um, knowing that, you know, they had one hand on top spot. And, uh, yeah, I mean... 
there's it's a pretty good uh, result for Sweden. Absolutely. They are ranked number three in the world, but given some of the names that have been bundled out of this tournament, topping your group undefeated is nothing to be sneezed at, which is exactly what Sweden did. South Africa comes second incredibly. Italy come third and Argentina sat at the foot of the group. A bit of work to do for the Argentine women's football team for them to start making an impact in women's football. That is the recap of the group stage. It's a foul. Lovely run. Great goal. All right, so now after going through the group stage and how they finished up and some of the wild results that we've had here at the Australian World Cup, Stewie, Callum and Jason are going to take you through the round of 16 and what we think is going to happen. Why did I refer to myself in the third person? (laughs) I have no idea, but we're just going to go with it. And the first game that comes up, uh, the round of 16, now what we're going to do is we're all going to pick a winner. And uh, one of us is going to give a reason why, and I will pick that at random. So be on your toes, boys. First up, we have Switzerland taking on Spain on Saturday, 2.30 p.m. uh, Australian time, that is. I actually think Spain are going to win this one quite comfortably. Cal? I don't know if it'll be comfortable. Switzerland have been quite impressive, but I do think Spain will win. I think they were quite unlucky to come second in their group. They looked very good. I think Switzerland will be competitive, but ultimately Spain's firepower will be too much. So I guess 2-1. Okay, cool. Uh, Jace? Yeah, I think that Spain will win this one. Um, I think that goals have been hard to come by for Switzerland. They haven't scored a goal since that 2-0 uh, match day one win against the Philippines. And so I think that, and obviously we know um, Spain have scored a bundle. And so I think that, um, yeah, just in the attacking third, um, I think that if any team gets a ball into the attacking third, I'd probably see Spain scoring more uh, likely than Switzerland, um, and that'll be the difference. Obviously, goals will be the difference. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Goals will be the difference. A very astute analysis there from you, Jason Irvine. Fantastic. <laughs> Moving on to Japan versus Norway. Uh, Cal, how do you see this one playing out, my, my friend? I think Japan will win. Oh, wow. Are you trying to hurt me? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, look, I think Norway have been, they haven't played to their potential, even though they scraped through the group stage. I think they were quite lucky, um, especially the way New Zealand played. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like Japan have scored 11 goals and conceded zero. If you keep doing that, you'll probably win. Mm-hmm. Listen, I think that that's a very compelling argument. Unfortunately, I completely disagree with you, and I think <laughs> Norway will win, <laughs> uh, which will be a surprise to nobody. Uh, Jason, how do you see this one playing out, my guy? Technically, Callum's also said goals will win, so no, I think that um, Japan. You know, I think that they'll win. Honestly, probably quite comfortably. Um, I think that they've just been a team that has you know worked so well together um in all areas of the pitch it's obviously reflected like Callum said 11 goals for none against but I think that you know they've just got that ability to be on the same you know wavelength as their um as each other it really helps the team when they want to attack um when they want to you know pounce on any turnovers and obviously make an avenue towards goal I think that yeah just that um you know togetherness of the team like Japan that'll see them winning this one I feel like you two guys just want to hurt me here, but I'll stand on this Norwegian hill and I will die on it. Uh, Let's move on to the next one. 
Now, Callum, I know you had the jubilation of the 3-2 victory over Italy and qualifying for the knockout phase, but it's a pretty tough assignment for South Africa when they take on the Netherlands in the round of 16, isn't it? Yes. I think this might be where the fairy tale ends, but they've they've put a good show of themselves in every game that they've played. So I think they're going to score, but I think the Netherlands are going to show why they've been so dominant so far in this tournament, and I think it'll probably be 3-1. Okay, uh, Jace, what do you think, mate? Yeah, I unfortunately for you, Callum, I do think the Netherlands will win this one. I think they're a touch above. Yeah, South Africa, I've enjoyed watching South Africa um, play this tournament. Um, I think they've been unlucky in a few instances, but I do think that their luck will run out against the Netherlands. Yeah, I, I completely concur with you two guys. I think the Netherlands will win this. I think they'll win it quite comfortably. I think South Africa, uh, I, I really... Oh, I would love nothing more for them to to cause a massive upset and knock out the Netherlands, but I just do not see it happening. And uh, the Netherlands will go through, which, uh, you know, if my Spain prediction is right, we'll set up a tasty quarterfinal fixture between the Netherlands and Spain. Um, Talking about tasty fixtures, though, we've got an absolute blockbuster next up in the round of 16 when Sweden take on the United States, the number three in the world, taking on the number one in the world. This is going to be must-see TV, 6.30pm on Sunday night. Jason, how do you see this one playing out, my guy? Yeah, well, um, first of all, uh, I am going to Melbourne this weekend and I know that there are no tickets available for this game, but I have been refreshing the resale uh, site (laughs) every single minute hoping to get a ticket for this game because it will be an absolute cracker. I honestly, I think that I've said in this podcast already that um, I've been unconvinced with the US. They've been they've been quite lucky themselves um, throughout this tournament to possibly scrape through. Um, I don't know if any, um, you know, USA fans will appreciate that, but I think that Sweden, I think that, you know, seeing how the USA have played this tournament, I reckon Sweden um, will take care of them. Um, possibly only by one or two goals, but um, I mean, even a two goal win um, would be pretty massive. But um, yeah, I see Sweden beating the US. Wow, big call, mate. Callum, do you concur with Jason's prediction for this match? I'm going to give one of Jason's trademark cheaty answers <laughs> and say maybe. Oh, here we go. He's sitting on the fence. So <laughs> the thing about Sweden versus United States, heading into the tournament, I'd probably said, I think the USA will win. At this point, flip a coin, toss a stone across the water, just see where it lands. Anything could happen. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that anything could happen will mean it'll go to penalties. And that is going to be breathtaking. I think if it does go to penalties, then I think the USA have enough in them to get the result there. Yeah, I actually completely agree with you, Callum. I think this one does go all the way to penalties, and I think the United States do win. Um, I'm still waiting for Sophia Smith to uh, to turn the clock back, to just not that far, just back to the start of the tournament when she banged in two goals, and uh, maybe she can score one here. I feel like Sweden are definitely good for a goal. I think it'll be a one-all draw. It'll go the journey. It'll go to penalty kicks. And I think that experience that they have through, you know, Megan Rapinoe and... and, and Alex Morgan and, and you know, players from that generation will just see him through. Um, next up, we have England taking on Nigeria. You know, probably a fixture that not too many people would have predicted prior to the tournament. I know I sure didn't. I sure didn't. Easy for me to say. Callum, what do you think is going to happen in England versus Nigeria? I've been impressed with Nigeria. I thought they've played some very good football on the group stage. But I think 
the team who's played the best football in the group stage of any team has been England. Mm -hmm. And I think they've been so strong and so convincing that they'll win rather comfortably over Nigeria, probably 2-0. Yeah, I I have to say, if this was England-Nigeria in the Men's World Cup in the round of 16, I'd be more nervous uh, about England maybe bowing out. But uh, just given the uh, the class, the skill, and, and, and they're clearly one of the best teams in the world at the moment, I think England will account for Nigeria, probably by a similar uh, uh, margin to what you predicted, Callum. Jason? Yeah, I think that we've really seen England come together in this tournament and it seems like every single one of those players are playing at their potential or, you know, they're teetering on the edge of showing their potential. You know, like you guys, I've been impressed with Nigeria. Um, obviously, you know, to get out of the group stage is an achievement in itself. Unfortunate for them that they've got to come up against, uh, like Callum said, probably the best team of this tournament so far. And yeah, I just think that uh, with every player on the pitch for England, they really play to the highest level that they can. Um, and that will only improve throughout the knockout phase. Absolutely. Now, moving on to arguably one of the most lopsided round of 16 uh, fixtures we've got. It is France versus Morocco. Just one word answer from me. I think France by a country mile in this one. Jace? Yeah, probably the same, uh, honestly. Um, I mean, we've obviously rode the emotion of Morocco making it. And I don't totally think that, like, you know, the occasion will get to them or anything like that. I think that they'll still play as they can. But France. Um, what a team. I think that, yeah, they'll probably win by a comfortable margin. Callum? Yeah, I agree. I think 3-1 will be the scoreline for France-Morocco. I think Morocco will start well, and I think that'll inspire France to, you know, do what they did in match day three and just really firmly take control. Yeah, an early goal maybe to kick them into gear, um, and then they play catch-up football and then score an absolute hatful. Next fixture we're going to talk about is uh, <laughs> definitely not a fixture that uh, I expected to see in this slot. It is Colombia taking on Jamaica in this one, Callum? Yeah, who would have thought Colombia versus Jamaica? That's I would not have picked that as the round of 16 match, but here we are. <laughs> if you'd asked me this before today, I'd have said Colombia. Mm -hmm. But Colombia have just lost. That's very true, yes. To Morocco. So mm -hmm. I think in terms of momentum, Jamaica have the edge, and I think Jamaica might just edge at 1-0. Okay, interesting. Wow. So that would set up a pretty tasty quarterfinal fixture between England and Jamaica. Jason, what do you think, mate? Yeah, uh, much like Callum, honestly. I think that Colombia have been a really exciting team at this tournament. Um, I know that Dan was quite, uh, you know, waxing lyrical about them in the match day one uh, fixed uh, episode. But I think that from there, like Jamaica have just gone from strength to strength. Um, I think that they've, you know, been in the games that they need to be in and get the results that they need to get. And I think that I've been saying that, like, I've enjoyed seeing just, you know, how overcome with the um, momentum and, you know, just, you know, their ability to even just like see the good in all the results um, for Jamaica. I think that that will probably um, push them through in this result against Colombia. Um, yeah, so I see Jamaica winning it. I actually, I'm a huge Linda Casado fan and I think Colombia will probably win this one and end the fairy tale for Jamaica. I think there's going to be quite a few fairy tales ending <laughs> in the round of 16, but uh, we'll see what happens. Now, finally, this is the one you guys have been chomping at the bit to talk about. It is Australia versus Denmark. I guess you spoke about it a little bit already, Callum. So, Jace, why don't you give us your thoughts? Australia. Australia? Callum? 
Um, yes, I agree. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be an exciting game with lots of chances. I think 2-1. Uh, I think Australia and Denmark will be another one that goes the whole journey, 120 minutes. And I think we're going to all have to take our heart medication the day after because it's going to go to penalties. And in the lottery of penalties, anyone could win. But, geez, I hope it's Australia. <laughs> All right, that's all for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the 2023 Women's World Cup at edgeofthecrowd.com. Be sure to stay across our Twitter at AustralianWCPod or Edge of the Crowd. Why don't you chuck them both a follow and uh, be as across the Women's World Cup as you can be. Join us next week where we will be talking about the round of 16 fixtures. Thank you for joining us on the Australian World Cup podcast. Please subscribe to the pod so you don't miss any episodes and be sure to give us your five-star ratings. But until the round of 16 is over, that's Jason Irvine. He's Callum Logie. I'm Stuart Kavanagh and we'll catch you next week.